0: You can breathe again if you're a Leaf fan. The elephant has departed your chest. It's not over yet, and that wasn't easy. What, that was a bad analogy? It wasn't like an elephant was sitting on your chest? Tied at ones with the Montreal Canadiens being heavy favorites, especially after losing game one? You're shaking your head. That's a bad analogy? That's a good analogy. There was tension, man, serious tension, and there was tension in game three, and especially the way that third period went, but it's now a bit of a sigh of relief you're leading in the series. Don't shake your head. Don't do it. (laughs) You feel no relief. You feel no relief. You feel just as tense. Just as anxious.
1: The Leafs are the better hockey team. Pretty clearly. The Leafs are the better hockey team. They're missing two top six forwards. And I I will say that third period was a little spooky wasn't the best thing you want to see from a team that quote-unquote has matured and is ready to play in these big games that was again that was a little uncomfortable and we'll talk about jack campbell in a couple of minutes because i i want to start with somebody else but no man it's t- there's a game tonight like that's yeah. all i woke up and i thought of was they won that game, and I felt good, and I went to bed, and I, I laughed at the Oilers, and then I woke up, and I – actually, I didn't even laugh at the Oilers. I should take that back. I felt I felt sneaky bad for the Oilers because that's I, – I just that's – a, that's a bad one. That's a baddie. So I woke up, and then my first thought was I can't believe they're making people go through this. <laughs> they have to play a game right away where you just have to live in this – Immediately. Um, Yeah, so like if you're an Oilers fan, you had those devastating losses back-to-back, and now if you're a Toronto fan, and I have to wonder what someone like Joe Thornton is going to look like in this game. Like I'm already – I already don't think that that – Anyway, I'm going to get to a lot of things. I'm 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 muddying a lot of stuff yeah, up in one. You but you're just giving me this whole anger of. And they're up a whole game in a series, yes, and the elephant is off lo- the chest. Yeah, man. Shut up. The
0: elephant was sitting Honestly, like he was like his mic. legs were up in the air. Consult
1: and- me before you start doing things. Like I know you try to relate to the fans sometimes, but then it's like you you look like the guy with the skateboard on your back meme, where you're like, hello, fellow kids. Like no, it's bad. What are you talking about?
0: Okay. Compare and contrast your feeling after Game 1 to now, Game 3 and up 2-1 in the series. It's still tense. It's only a marginal lead in the series, and they haven't scored a ton of 5-on-5 goals, but the Montreal Canadiens have scored 3 in 3 games. You can see the path now. It's a little bit easier. Things are normalizing. This is normal. This feels right. That the Maple Leafs have significantly outplayed the Montreal Canadiens 5 on 5 through 3 games. and have two games to one series lead doesn't mean they're going to win the series. Doesn't mean they're going to win tonight. It just feels a lot better than after game 1. Admit that. Admit it. You won't admit yeah, any you couldn't feel positive feelings.
1: I wouldn't want to No, I won't admit any positive feelings. That's the show. I won't admit no positive feelings. I already said it yesterday. Unless In Intel, this team, proves to me they can actually do it, I'm not believing. I'm hoping. Oh, boy, am I hoping. Mm. I am sweating bullets during these games. I have a lot of emotional and um, fan equity when it comes to my friends. Again, my college roommates, Montreal Canadiens fans. Best friend from high school, Montreal Canadiens fan. I will say this. This did perk me up a little bit. This this made me feel kind of good, even though it also made me feel kind of bad because that's the way this thing goes because it's all mind games, right? But I started to get a lot of messages from my Habs buddies of, oh, we won't be devastated if we lose because we were never expected to win. And I was like, ah. ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> No. No. <laughs> yeah. No. That's no. LeBron James know. with
0: the with the gaslighting. I'm hurt anyways. Like yeah. I'm just battling through. It's a miracle I'm able to make it onto the court.
1: LeBron's seeing triple, he's out there. He's like, I gotta pick the middle basket. He's like, Oh, it wasn't the middle basket this time? His shoulders re- dislocated, his ankle is just I'm hanging bored. on by a thread. Yeah, <laughs> like poor LeBron. I can't believe they even make him play. What a warrior! Anyway, James so the Montreal yes.
0: Canadiens, it's just a miracle that they're allowed yeah. to, to play in this series. They're so undeserving that they can hang with the Maple Leafs. Incredible! What an accomplishment.
1: No, this is part of the anxiety, honestly, is that I really do believe these two teams are on different planets, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind of... I-, I love sports because a lot of people see completely different things, right? And you feel so entrenched in what you see. And you want to be right, but most of the time you're wrong. <laughs> That's it, right? That's the what, what happens. I feel very deeply as though... The Toronto Maple Leafs and the Montreal Canadiens are just worlds apart. That these two teams are just in very, very different places as franchises. And the only things that really scared me were one, goaltending. And it was really scaring me yesterday when Carey Price is coming across a (laughs) crease and paddling out Jason (laughs) goals, And when Jack Campbell is not facing any shots... And there was a moment in that game where he was kind of looking a little shaky. I didn't think the goal was bad. Everyone was kind of jumping on Morgan Riley. But then there was the secondary, why didn't Jack Campbell save that? And I thought, that's just a really good goal. Like, that's a guy flying down the wing who picks it in the perfect spot and beats a goaltender. Right. Sometimes it just happens. Could he have made a save? Of course. You always can make a save. But I didn't think that was a bad goal. Either way, in the moments after that went in, There was a little bit of Jack Campbell, happy feet. Jack Campbell, not as great a rebound control as he had had all game long. And you started to feel like, man, Leafs had all these chances. And if another one goes behind Jack Campbell before it goes behind Carey Price, it's going to feel very crisis moment considering how the game has been played. So there's some validation in watching these games in Toronto, like straight up kicking ass. There's some validation in watching Cole Caulfield sit two games, step into this one and <laughs> and and actually be the scariest guy. Like I mean, It goes from Habs, Habs, Habs go from you don't care, you don't care they're getting dominated, they're getting dominated to all of a sudden that guy has the puck on his stick in the offensive zone and you get the a- extreme scaries and go, okay <laughs> this guy sat, this guy didn't play in games, that's cool, whatever light the fire, do the thing. But part of that is though, right? Is that it gets back to what I was saying before. They're two teams at completely different places in the track. Montreal has Cole Caulfield as a rookie. That's their version of one of the Leafs, you know, emerging star players. They need him to be better or to go through this lump and then be amazing two, three years from now and be one of their best players on their team. So, yes, there's some measure of relief seeing Toronto is who I thought they were, especially down two forwards that I think are super important to play off hockey. I would say. But there's really no measure of relief because that pressure is only intensifying the larger the gap is between these two teams. Knowing that Montreal can get outplayed that way and be, you know, a couple of really good Jack Campbell saves away from tying it and sending it into overtime, that they're right there in this series despite the gap in the play, that that keeps me up at night. That keeps the elephant, as you put it, on my chest going into game three.
0: So you admitted that the elephant chest thing is a real thing. No, I didn't say a real
1: thing. I just said that that's your analogy, so I went with it. I supported you, and then you tried (laughs) to needle me. You supported
0: me ten minutes after you totally tried to tear me down. Now finally admitting it's a good analogy.
1: God, just accept works, okay. that this show is a large element is me tearing you down, okay? Yeah, like no, listen, Everybody else has. The listeners day. of this show have accepted it. <laughs> no, those, yeah. uh, Even those who hate it, who write in mean <laughs> things about how they don't yeah. listen, even though they're constantly listening and writing mean yeah. things. Yeah, yeah by Even the way, they a, would acknowledge.
0: <laughs> it's a text line Tuesday as well, so uh, get those texts in. Uh, yeah. Keep them coming. Bad time for you to
1: put that out there. You're like, oh, yeah, by the way, it's a text line yeah, Tuesday. You also so, want
0: to talk about how JD is too mean. Uh, and that yeah. he should you know, be nicer. Uh, okay. Hit us up on the tax line five ninety five ninety.
1: Now, getting to the thing that I wanted to start today's show with: narratives, stories. Mm-hmm. William Nylander is permanently changing his story in this city, his narrative in this city, mm-hmm. the way he's viewed in this city. We've always done the thing here, especially, you know, if you're our age or older, because I don't know how many times the, the Leafs have been successful. If you're young, but, but anyways, of if you win a Stanley Cup in this city, you'll never buy a meal again. You know, you get to live, you get to dine off of being a Maple Leaf forever. William Nylander was a polarizing figure for a very, very long time, and I think fairly so because he has the type of skill that is on display in this series where he can take over hockey games and i'm sorry despite his overwhelming analytics that show him being a plus plus player there are were far too many times in william nylander's career where he disappeared in fact last year in the stanley cup playoffs or not in the playoffs the play-in games the whatever games When they asked William Nylander to drive his own line, he was incapable of doing it. And was he miscast by position? Sure, there's mitigating factors. Was it a tougher team they were playing against? Of course it was. But in the biggest game of the year, he was a complete zero. He was a non-factor. You never thought about him once. His ice time this season has been limited because his coach understands the polarizing nature of him as well, where he wants to keep him at a certain amount of ice time because... I don't think he fully trusts him to play the same amount as a guy like Mitch Marner who has not played well in this series by just about everyone's estimation. Nylander's having a breakthrough moment. He really is. He's got goals in every single game. He's the guy that right now, outside of Austin Matthews, I would say every Maple Leaf fan feels the most confident about when he's on the ice. He's playing with a ton of it. He's exuding it in post-game media conferences and it almost feels like all of this has come together where he's become the story that it's almost – I, I, I kind of feel like helping him unlock the understanding of, oh my god, this is what it can be like if I just can put this kind of effort and attention to detail in every game that is of importance – This is the results I'm going to get back, which is a universal praise, which is my team winning hockey games, which is me getting more ice time, more responsibility. I love what I'm seeing. He's brilliant. He's playing brilliant hockey. This is why people get frustrated. This is why he's polarizing, because he can do this thing. And so... If William Nylander, if the Toronto Maple Leafs, like, you can worry about Stanley Cups and all these different things, blah, 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 blah. If the Toronto Maple Leafs beat the Montreal Canadiens, and I don't care what my Habs fans' buddies say about the no stakes of this series. If they win this series, and William Nylander continues to play this way, and he is the story coming out of this thing. He, Austin Matthews, and potentially the goaltending. It almost, I, I hate to say this, but... It almost makes it like fait accompli with the way that we talk about this guy forever because the emotional stakes of this series alone are so high. If William Nylander can carry them through it, he changes his legacy forever.
0: Already uh, tied his career high in postseason points with four uh, yep. and set a career high in postseason goals with three. in the first Maple Leaf since Alexander Mogilney to score in Buzzing. the first three games of the postseason. And. There can no longer – I mean, there couldn't before when the head coach and the player were basically admitting that, yeah, I'm not a perfect player and there's been moments where I haven't been perfect, but Mm -hmm. especially when the player is admitting his growth when it comes to postseason play. And that's what he's doing. After these games, he's talking about how different it is, how battling away from the puck, how that's changed, how he's learned over his postseason experience to to play the way that it takes to win playoff hockey games – and you got to give credit, number one, to the player. It's William Nylander, man. He's mm-hmm. he's finally hitting his maximum potential. And you give the credit, of course, to the guy who's actually doing that. But i, I got to give some credit to Sheldon Keefe here, too,
1: who seemingly managed him the right way. And I go back to that middle of the season. He hasn't changed it, though. You know, like last night, I thought Nylander was on the ice more because mm-hmm. I think you notice him a lot when he's out there. He was right at his like 1640 yep. that he's always at. And right. I keep trying to go, well, it's because he doesn't kill penalties or whatever. But uh, and they did, he did move well, into power play one for a bit. So that was big. You know
0: what's curious about that? Yeah. He had the exact same number of shifts as Austin Matthews. So yeah. that is a little bit weird. Um, so yeah. And Matthews had some longer shifts. And there was some, although he was on the ice five on six at the end of the game. Yeah, but that makes game. sense. Yep.
1: But that makes sense that his shifts would be shorter because Austin Matthews is out there and he's like, one, he's probably dominating the puck with his line mates well, more than Elander's line is. There was that one that was line like is.
0: two minutes in the offensive zone last night. Right.
1: But you're Austin Matthews, so you're dictating the shift length. Someone asked right. me that once. They were like, how long are the shifts? Like who is new to hockey? And I was like, "Uh, this is hard to answer. I was like, <laughs> just look at it like 50 seconds. You know, like they're 50 seconds, and it's just not let's not get into the minutiae of everybody doing different things. But yeah, if you just look at the two different lines, obviously there's more of an impetus for Nealander to get off the ice. The shifts thing is something that you brought up with Tavares in the past as well. But at this point, to me, there's enough data to suggest that those guys have been told explicitly by Keith, like, hey, your shifts are this amount of time. You are coming to the bench now. Whereas with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner's line, I don't think that it's as uh, binary.
0: But this is—I mean—that's only part of what I'm talking about with the managing of Nylander. Like, I really mm-hmm. do think everything that's been said publicly, and I can only assume it's the same things that are being said privately. He—he's motivated him perfectly. He's—he's he's shown him the world, and—and yeah. and it's opened up this whole level of play. I—I I mean, it, explain it because—and maybe this would have naturally happened with any coach, and it's just an experience thing. But I just—I can't help but go back to that mid-season moment where all we could talk about for a week straight around this team was William Nylander and the perception and the people who still said he's a fine player and has always been the fine player and he's the same player and he's not misunderstood. It's the idiots that don't misunderstand him or that don't understand him. And the head coach is saying, no, some of this is his own doing and he needs to understand that. Guess what? He's done it.
1: Yeah, Um, you're right. He's not changing his narrative from the analytics standpoint, which has largely been very, very, very much in his camp of all the flaws that get generated around him are overstated and blah, blah, blah. And to an extent, I think that's partially true, right? I, I do think that there is a large faction of people who also look at Neilander and say things like, you can't win with a guy like that. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. too soft. He doesn't go to the dirty areas enough. He's too much of a perimeter player. Right. And he's a, like, he's a floater. He's all this. He's, he's, what was the analogy? Furniture, whatever. Like all the criticisms that get lauded at him are, there? there's a little bit of a difference with it, right? But again, part of it is that all of this potential is there. All of this ability is there. The strength is there, right? Like you look at him and you say, well, you know, he's a zone entry skill player. And yet when you actually look at him physically and when he actually engages in that play, you go, how, where is this guy ranked in terms of the strongest players on the team? Right. Right. This is someone who should be going into the dirty areas that shouldn't be avoiding checks. So yes, there have been times where he has validated his criticism. But where I think that the narrative is changing forever is actually, again, the other side, which is the people I outlined which think he's a floater, you can't win with him, that put him into every single trade the second the Leafs lose a game in a regular season. That's going to change now. I I really do believe people are looking at this or you have to and say, wait, what does this guy make on the cap? Seven mil. Hmm." Mm Hmm. And he does this. Mm.
0: Yeah, and he's, he's going to dirty Alex, areas, right? Playing with Alex Kerfoot and yep. and Galchenyuk.
1: Bingo. There's no John Tavares is elevating this guy's play. There were moments of the season still where we said, "Well, you got to split up Neilander and Tavares." And yeah. I just think you got to give Tavares different guys because guess what? It's not his fault. He's got a career track record of always elevating other guys' play, and so can't be him. It's probably the other guy who. You-know-who, the guy who can't make it work with just about anybody all the time because the inconsistencies and he won't go in the corners and blah, blah, blee, blue. It's going to be hard to make those connections if in a hard-fought series where being in front of the net is nasty, where you're facing a Hall of Fame goaltender who I believe is playing at the very best he can possibly play. Like, I don't know... You, you know, only people like you thought Jake Allen should be in the net. I actually can't believe how many people like really bought into that take where they went, you know, Jake Allen. He scares me a little bit more. One of my buddies said that to me right before the game started, Mm -hmm. because like Carey Price wasn't in the the, like lineup as the starter. He was like, (sighs) "No, I want Carey." I was like, (laughs) "I can't believe people fell for this again." But he's playing tough. He's playing hard minutes, and I think he should be on power play one. And I I hate how this fan base always does the thing where (laughs) if Marner's going well, they rip on Nylander. And if Nylander's going well, they rip on Marner. Like there's just, you know, it's... Mm -hmm. Although it feels like there's not really a huge Marner camp ever since he took the max money to play for his hometown team. But yeah, the timing of Marner not going great, Nylander going spectacular, Nylander carrying this team for large stretches... Doing it without Tavares, doing it in ways where he's in the middle of the ice or in front of the net, doing it with Alex Kerfoot, and all of a sudden Alex Kerfoot looks good, gaining the zone, playing with some bite. I I, I, I just think that he's ingratiating himself forever.
0: He's been incredible. There's just really no nitpicking his game right now. There is very little nitpicking of Jack Campbell's game as well. And without (laughs) him, that third period... Has a very different sense if he's not at the absolute peak of his powers. 13 yep. to two shots on goal. In the third period, uh, so it's a combination of a couple of things, and it's one, it was a desperate Montreal Canadiens team, and it was also Cole Caulfield getting unleashed. They're like, oh, hey, uh, you know what we should do? Every second or third shift, put the guy who's the most dangerous offensive player when we've only scored three even-strength goals through three games, we should put him on the ice, try and create some, uh, some havoc there. And kudos to Justin Hall, by the way, for sacrificing his body and maybe his face. Trying to block a shot at the end of that game, but Jack Campbell, not only is, and for the most of the series he hasn't been asked to do too much, but now he has a, he hasn't single handedly won this team a hockey game, but he's crucial to that victory. And when you look back on it, it's going to be William Nylander and it's going to be Jack Campbell who are the stars that you remember to give this Leafs team a two one series lead.
1: It's funny because before the third, I honestly thought my take was going to be, man, how triggered is Freddie Anderson? That guy got the Capitals on their way yeah. to a cup, the right. Bruins twice, mm-hmm. and then a series where his team didn't score against Columbus, Right. and Jack Campbell gets the punchless Montreal Canadians. Like, like, he had like 12 shots against midway through the second period. and I think the 13th shot went in the back of the net, and I'm thinking, this guy's got to be sitting there, and if he has any sense of fairness, is like, what did I do to the hockey gods to deserve this? Like, you don't think I could be back there with 13 shots against and Mm -hmm. having a one goal against? I think I could. I think I could. And then the third happened, and all the Jack Campbell fears I think anyways, went out the window. We'll talk about who should get the net tonight. I actually still believe that's a bit of a complicated story. I I mean, it's not complicated from a risk and populist standpoint, but I I do think that there's more to the conversation than what you will see on Twitter or in my Instagram DMs, which is you got to play the hot hand or you got to go with the guy that got you there, whatever. There were probably less spectacular saves in that third than he will get credited for. Because it was as though people were acting like that was Belfour versus the Senators. But even still, man, it was like he was such a calming presence. And I thought the rebound control specifically, the fact that it was just not like scrambly, that it was really calm. Mm-hmm. That said a lot to me about Jack Campbell. He just came up with some really big saves. And then it felt like the play was dead. That he would make the play and end the play a bunch of different times and give Toronto these opportunities to regroup. And they were really scrambly for about 10 minutes where they just, I, I know you can say the whole period, but I thought there was like a real 10 minute pocket where Toronto could not get their crap together and Jack Campbell carried them through it. And yes, do I think that there have been unfair narratives about the goaltending in the city over the last couple of seasons, especially given the competition, whatever. Yep. But I did have the feeling of, you know, I, I now feel like this guy proved something. I feel like this guy did it to his team, to himself, to the fan base, to the coaching staff, that the decision to play him in these big, meaningful games, it it was the right one. He's been the better goalie, but he faced a horrifically scary moment, which is being up a goal against the Montreal Canadiens in their building, no fans, whatever, and he stood tall, and he helped win them that game. He was the closer. He came out, he, married, he Mariano rivera did, it, and that's all you can ask for from that guy. So... Yeah, I, I just I think that there's a lot of people in this city right now who are very, very deeply in love with Jack Campbell and who feel like finally a goaltender stepped up for them in a big game and, and, and got it for them.
0: So there was no question that he had to start he had to start the postseason for the Toronto Maple Leafs. The mm-hmm. the just the sample of games throughout the course of the season was was too great. But there was obviously a huge element of unknown regarding him and how he would fare in the postseason. Different style of play different type of pressure and through the first two games he answered some of those questions I would say but yeah largely that Freddie Anderson thing was was it it was there he did not have to do a whole heck of a lot now he has something on his resume that you can point to and say this guy did something significant he had a massive moment in the Mm postseason. And it's just game three of a potentially long series here in at least five games, but it's something now. Now you can point to something and say, That guy now has that on his resume. It's in that little bullet point there. It's near the top of the resume. Mm -hmm. I got it done. I was one of the my team's best players in a very crucial playoff game on the road.
1: Okay. Um I want to do this now quickly before we do text line. And again, text 59590, send us a note on Instagram at Bunkus or on Twitter at Bunkus at Sportsnet Ben. What do you think the third story of the game was? Because to me, the, the first two were just very, very clear. Um, it was, number one, I think Nylander. Number two, I think Campbell. We both seemingly agreed because that's the way we went with it, although you did yeah. the elephant thing. Um, number three is what? Number three is what? To me, it's Cole Caulfield. Okay, yeah, I think that's (laughs) in the conversation. I thought I I wrote down Caulfield, Riley, and Foligno, and then obviously tomorrow the goaltending.
0: They they lost, but yeah, Price was still so so damn good in that game, and yeah, Mm -hmm. the Spezza save gets all the headlines, but there was a sequence there where he stopped Matthews Mm -hmm. with the toe save, and then seconds later Marner right in front, he was incredible. But no, to me, it's I, I it's hard to be too critical because I think a 1-1 series split through the mm-hmm. first two games is about as well as the Montreal Canadians were going to do. And they had no Cole Caulfield through those two games and you know what? The reason they won the first one is because they limited the Maple Leafs chances and it was a freaky game anyways. But they won it so you got to give them credit. I don't know if this series looks any different if Cole Caulfield is playing in those first two games, but it is hard to look at the way he looks in that Third game, and especially in the third period when the minutes really get extended and think th- you looked at this guy like you saw him every day in practice. You saw mm-hmm. him during the regular season score a couple overtime goals, and you said uh, for a team that you, we knew was going to have trouble creating any type of offense, you're like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: well, this guy is at worst, what, our second best offensive player, third best, that we'll keep him out of the lineup until game three and then not let him – Play his full extended minutes until we're absolutely desperate for a ho- for a goal in a hockey game.
1: So you and I were both big Leafs should get Nick Felino over Taylor Hall guys, right? And why? Because we said, you want to have different things in your lineup. And Montreal does not have a lot of guys who are offensive difference makers that when the puck is on their stick in the offensive zone, they can do something special. Cole Caulfield can clearly do that. And you're right. It's it's harder to criticize the move when you split the series and you get blown out in game two. And yeah. But then I also think, you know, maybe if Cole Coffey's in game two, they score the second goal of the game and it goes completely differently. So, no, I, I still do put that one there. Like, you, take, you can't just look at the score. You have to look at what the process was of the game and understand that, hey, maybe the game script could have gone different completely space, different. Different space-time continuum, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the Caulfield thing is it's it's one of the most bizarre coaching decisions i can remember and i like this is where when people think hockey is a sport for dumb guys i go yeah it's like uh, hard to disagree because imagine in football you have a speedy rookie receiver, and he's your best receiver. And they're like, this guy's a game breaker. And they're like, we can't get any plays downfield. Like, we can't get anybody open. And they're like, yeah, but that guy's a rookie. So, like, what are we doing? And they're like, what round is he taking in? The first. He's a first-round pick. He's uh, too fast. <laughs> We're worried about his route tree and whether he's – what are you talking about? He's in the game. Like, duh, he's in the game. Right. Hockey is the only sport where a first round pick who does the thing that nobody else on your team really does sits in the press box for Thomas Tatar and Lehtinen and all these other guys who you don't you're not afraid of at all because they go it's too pressure pack or whatever the hell it is right <laughs> hockey this is the hockey thing where you could go thank you again all you have to do is basically the Jared Solinger test, but in terms of lineup decisions, the opposite, of going to the other fan base and saying, hey, what do you not want us to do? Or what's the thing you would love to see the most? And I bet you how many Leaf fans would have put down, like, don't play Cole Caulfield. That line, he and Suzuki, is like, the terror rating was a full 10. It was a full 10 in that game. I hated every moment those guys were on the ice. Hit and a yet,
0: crossbar in the first yeah, period on the you power Yeah, I have to go over it. To-
1: I don't <laughs> even want to relive those moments. <laughs> I He's a, he's a scary player, and he's got a track record of scoring goals everywhere. And I don't think that the NHL, it's a hard league. It's an incredibly difficult task to go from the AHL or from college or junior, whatever, to go to the pros and the game speed and all these different things. There's certain guys where if you do the thing the best, you probably are going to find some success at the next level. I don't think that the Hobie Baker Award winner is going to be like, what do I do here in this game? How do I fit in? I think he's going to be fine, and he was fine. So, yes, I think that was a big one. I think the Felino thing, I'm not playing him tonight. If he couldn't play in this game, then he shouldn't be playing in this one because if it's a day-to-day thing, whatever, I just think you're up in the series. You need to get him at least somewhat right. If it's something where it's never going to get better, but the fact that he couldn't play – and now it's a back-to-back. I just that spooks me a little. And the reason why I'm a little bit more confident in not playing him, though, is my number three story, at least from a Leafs standpoint, Toronto, Engvall and Kerfoot. Mm-hmm. I it cannot be overstated how these guys have stepped up. Kerfoot is playing like he's playing so well and Kadri's suspended that the trade is becoming it used to be the worst trade in Leafs history, and now it's like, was it so bad considering where we are right now in this very yeah. moment? You got to... One has to ask the question. He's been amazing. And he's been ratty, and he's in guys' faces, and he's finishing checks, and he's playing with speed, and he's around the net, and he's making plays. Kerfoot, he's getting
0: up after getting destroyed, too, his... Yep,
1: drawing penalties. Like, he's just been awesome. And Engvall... Is the version of Engvall that again? This is what a series for the nerds. You know, the nerds are just in their nerd camp, just <laughs> high-fiving like it's the NASA moon landing, where they're all around the computers and, <laughs> or the Mars landing, the Mars that rover. They're just all just high-fiving <laughs> away. They're like, man, we did it. We got Neilander going and we got Engvall going. It's just there like, was yeah, no Corsi
0: in 1969. No, so computer yeah, they
1: camp, not <laughs> computer camp. We knew. Because the computer camp guys are dominating. And, yeah, it just like you can lose a Felino and you can lose a Tavares if other guys step up. And it's such a sports cliche to be step up and adapt and step yeah. up and fill the roles and who's next man up and blah, blah, blah. Those guys are obviously not the two guys I mentioned. But, damn, man, like they're not in this. This series is completely different if those two don't play the way that they're playing right now. And And I am shocked. At the way I feel when they are on the ice right now, which is full-blown confidence, and that they're way better than a lot of the Canadians forwards, which is even more trash talk for you if you if the Leafs get out of this series. Is like, yeah, the 13th and 14th guys are better than whoever you got. Yeah. Also, Wayne no, Simmons was amazing in that game last night. He was.
0: He he was great, man. There yeah. was a, again that two-minute uh, sequence in the offensive zone. He was mm-hmm. out freaking standing and and he really, blew up Gallagher. I, yeah, I do have to give him credit too for apparently in between periods talking to shea weber and the rest of that montreal canadians team after the way they were handling austin matthews mm-hmm. and we didn't see it after that uh it's it's been a great couple of days i would say for for wayne simmons but yeah you're right the depth of this maple leafs team has been as good as it's been in a long China. time so no more elephants so that's good yeah. Alright, let's talk to the hockey hipster. Jeff Merrick, NHL on SportsNet. He's just apoplectic that there was no Canes Preds game yesterday.
1: I know, he's too <laughs> this is too mainstream for him. He's like leafs, halves, yucky, maybe for you. <laughs>
2: you guys on, yeah. uh you guys know how many hipsters it takes to change a light bulb? No, tell us. Ah, it's kind of a rare number you probably never heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so
1: man, Tell let's boys. Oh, nothing man, just uh sweating this out. Excited. <laughs> excited. I was for
2: period free last night, JD and Ben? I was Honestly, a third period free boys.
1: I like I feel like I go to this place where <laughs> it's just it's so dark that I yeah. like I'm it's almost good that there's no bars and that there's no places for me to be because like I just I yeah I don't think I'd be able to handle it. Or maybe I need it. I don't know. Something. But that felt bad. Yeah, that was bad. And then it was good. It was really, really good. And then it was very good. And then I remember there were more games and I had to do this again. And yeah. let's just start yeah. with this, man. Let's just start with this. What's your assessment of this thing so far? Because the Leafs have outplayed them and Montreal's still been in it. And the series is still very much alive. And there's a back-to-back tonight. Like, it, it, it's kind of hard to see through all of the narratives. W- where are you at with just everything?
2: Leafs have outplayed the Montreal Canadiens. Carey Price is keeping a minute. Yeah, good. That's it. See, thank you. There you go. See, see. There's, there's your, your series. There's your series so far. Now that can either be reassuring if you're a Leafs fan or frightening, because playoff Carey Price, as we've seen before, can steal series, and the Montreal Canadiens, as we've seen before have an ability to just kind of hang around and weird things happen in playoffs and the puck goes off the skate or off the toe of the blade or off the heel. And all of a sudden weird things are happening. And even though you've dominated possession all game long, you find yourself at the wrong end of a two to one overtime score. So if you're a Maple Leafs fan, you got a a lot to be pretty happy about right now by way of uh, performance Specifically, William Nylander, who I'm sure we'll get to, um, but also playoff Carey Price, man, it's a real thing.
1: Uh, see, when yeah. I said "see," thank you, that was me openly talking to my anxiety side, where I was like, "See, <laughs> like everybody says, He's it's Smart says hockey fine. people. Yeah. Yeah. Hang on, yeah. hang, they agree." But
2: hang yeah. on a yeah. second. Hang on. Yeah. Hang on a second. JD, yeah. hold on one second. Ben, yeah. I just want to talk to you for a minute here. Sure. Okay. Sure. Ben, do you ever get the sense them. that this show is like therapy for JD? Well, I he's mean sa- he's he's saving he's saving himself yeah. a lot of money uh-huh. by talking to you and this audience every day. Just talking through his issues, just talking through his stuff.
0: Well, uh, I only feel that every day, and secondarily, <laughs> I think that it would – and I, I understand part of therapy is you give the therapist money, but I don't think any <laughs> self-respecting therapist would would allow themselves to be talked to the, this way. So yeah, he would, the therapy would probably end. So this is probably better than therapy for him. He's allowed to get yeah. more out during this therapy session than in real therapy because a professional would probably be like, hey, listen, I'll go with someone else. I'll take someone else's money. See, I'm kind of forced. I have to sit here and take it.
2: See, the the, the, the good—I mean, if you're a Maple Leafs fan with anxiety, the good thing about last night was you had a game to distract you right away afterwards. You could watch Edmonton and Winnipeg. And if you want to talk about anxiety and hand wringing and questions and who are we? How do we do this? How can we? How do we continue to lose with these, you know, two Ferraris we put on the road every single game here? Check out Oilers today, man. Check out where the Edmonton Oilers are at today. Don't forget, like, if you want to sort of console a Maple Leafs fan that that was too close for you, ooh, close shave, mm-hmm. uh, your team is up 2-1, to one. you're outplaying them, Nylander's been outstanding, Jack Campbell has been fantastic, and the Oilers are out. Now, if you need even more cynical Maple Leafs fan or one prone to worry, you say, well, the Oilers were a better matchup against the Maple Leafs, and they're out now, damn it. Now we got to face off against Winnipeg if we get past, get past Montreal. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling, J.D.? So,
1: first of all, yeah, I do what I want, all right? (laughs) (laughs) Second of all, second of all, that's actually what terrifies me about this series and why there's so much anxiety is that, you know what, and I want to talk about this with you, but you know what scares me if I'm an Oilers fan more than anything is that I don't know what you're supposed to do. Like, I talked about this with Bourne yesterday a lot, but I look at their cap sheet I look at some of the bad contracts they have. I look at just the picks and what's in the cupboards, and I don't really see the fact that they need to re-sign, like, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and I don't know what that money's going to be, and that you're a year away from Nurse who just played, you know, an hour for you, so you're kind of showing his importance. Like, I don't know what they do, and if Toronto was to lose to Montreal... I, I don't know what you'd do because you could make the excuse of, well, you didn't have Tavares or Felino and if you bring back Tavares and that's $11 million and maybe blah, 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 blah. But ultimately yeah. you would know that... It would feel hopeless. Like your direction of the franchise would change. Even the thing like the panicky, the, always the panic move by every Leaf fan that has a theory of how to fix the team, quote unquote, is to trade N- Neil- William Nylander. And Nielander, he's been their best player Nielander. other yeah. than Mar- uh, Matthews. So, you know, where's that theory go? It's just, it could be the most confusing offseason ever for, if you were to lose.
2: So, for, for, if you want to dovetail that, I think the first thing you yeah. do, because we saw this in this Winnipeg series, you have to get McDavid and Tricytle away from each other. That exposes how shallow a pool you're dealing with after that loaded up top line. Like if you wanted to sort of replicate Crosby, Malkin, Iserman, Federoff, whatever down the middle, then you're not doing it by just loading up on the one Ferrari line. You gotta if there's gonna be if there's gonna be any success with the Oilers, and I know it's always a default setting to go back to those two guys. But they've tried they tried it all. You gotta manufacture a goal. But the, the thing is, long term, it's not gonna work if those two guys are on the same line. Is that not obvious now? We can have like the, the the weak link game or strong link game argument and discussion all day long. But does it not seem obvious? Like, like some teams you can do that. Some teams you can load up. Like Colorado, for example. They have an amazing depth so they can load up a top line. Edmonton doesn't have that. And their lack of depth gets really exposed when you put Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl together. Does it yeah. not look I mean am I am I missing something here? No. I,
1: I don't disagree that those two guys should be split up. I guess the difference to me is like I just don't think that's enough and the the problem remains the same, which is the guys that are around those two. Like whenever where it doesn't matter if you move one well, guy up point, or one right? guy but down, that's the it's point, like that there's not enough depth if you split yeah, split them up. Yeah, but that split them up and whatever, it doesn't matter. Like I've seen them split up, they don't win. I've seen them together, they're not going to win. Like I, again, going back to this yesterday, McDavid is now going to be, what, 25 next year or
2: 26? Uh, 25. He'll be 25 next year. He's 24 this year. Yeah.
1: Okay. So... Six, six years in. But that's that's it, man. Is like I don't see it getting better next year. I just don't see the path forward for them all of a sudden being a cup contender next year. I don't know where you get that. And so okay. then we're looking at, you know, Connor McDavid going to his age 26 season. We're almost going to burn through this guy's prime without getting yeah, to see him in meaningful games. And also, like, this needs to be stated too because I thought about this last night when they got bounced. And, and I do want to get back to the Leafs, but like, hey, Edmonton fans, you don't get to play in the North Division next year. Like, yeah. you don't get this. Like, I don't know if you've been watching the other playoff series, but it's like Florida Panthers <laughs> who uh, are like, like scrapping for their lives against Tampa Bay. I'm watching Florida going, if Florida was in the North, would they be the best team? I don't know. I'm watching teams that got dunked on all season long, like the Nashville Predators, where it's like, they stink. They stink. They're the worst team in the playoffs. Uh, Do you know who wouldn't get swept by the Jets? Uh, Nashville Predators. Uh, You know who's really good? Carolina Hurricanes. And they're pushing them like it's a series tied. Who's the worst teams in the playoffs this year so far? Right? It's the Blues got completely eviscerated, but they got beat by maybe the best team. Oilers... I think there's a pretty strong case right now you could make that they were the worst team in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Like I don't even know what the pushback would be.
2: Oilers don't want to, Oilers fans don't want to hear near misses. Um, they thought they had Markstrom. They thought they had Markstrom in Calgary out of the extra season, and that was the decision from from Jacob Markstrom. They know they need a goaltender. Now, having said that, Mike Smith. Played out of his mind this year. Mike Smith had a really good season. There were times in the playoffs where they could have used some help, game three specifically, where everything just came to. They couldn't score
0: in the first two games, though.
2: They couldn't, they, they could, they could not score. Like, that's just it. They could not find a way to score. Now, you may look at this team and say, well, This is a team that has two of the most exciting players in the NHL, but everything around them is really conservative and buttoned down and defense first, and that includes the coach. Yeah. Like, every posture around... Like, look at Game 3. Game 3, they dominated the Winnipeg Jets because Dave Tippett made the adjustments, you know, uh, uh, made lineup adjustments, and they put the premium on speed and pace. And they dominated Winnipeg. I know they fell apart at the 10-minute mark after the Josh Archibald penalty on Logan Stanley, but they were dominating Winnipeg. And then what did they go back to for Game 4? Playing defense. Defensive posture. Defensive posture. Now, Dave Tippett's got one more year on his contract, and that's going to have to be a, a, a decision for for Ken Holland. But I wonder if, Jess, like the whole organization even though you have Connor McDavid and Leon every every decision, does it not seem as if they try to play everything really, really safe? And you've Mm. got these two guys that'll beat just about anybody else in the NHL in a skill versus skill, speed versus speed game. But everything around them is really safe and conservative.
1: Yeah, and again, this is why I don't... And that's why I don't see the path forward right now. Like, I
2: just... It's got to be honest questions, man, and and honest answers. There's got to be really some really, some really honest conversations in Edmonton. Sure, you can't just say, "Oh, it was the bubble, and it was the best of you know." We we uh, we uh, we won one game against Chicago, but you know they got a little bit hot, and the goalie got hot, and what are you gonna do? Like this is four games straight against the Winnipeg Jets, a team that you kind of own during yeah. the regular season here. Is bad. I, I, I think
1: you're on the brink of letting, and I don't know if he wants this responsibility, but where you're just like, you're letting Connor McDavid be NHL LeBron James, where he's making roster decisions and he's making um, like coaching and, and style of play decisions, because mm-hmm. I, I just don't want at all. I like, I don't know. I, I know everyone brings this up. I don't think he's going to bail. I don't think that Connor McDavid's that guy, but I have a hard time believing that if the Oilers miss the playoffs next year, which is totally on the table, you take away the North Division, um, that it's not going to start to get loud. Right now, it's like a little murmur, but moving forward, like I just think that guy's too good. And he's too much of a winner to want to stay in the same place. And he probably deserves more criticism in this series than he's going to get, even though, like, you know, he's still great. He's Karmic McDavid. People take that as, like, such a hot take. But I do think, like, he could have played better. He would probably admit that he could have played better. Either way, I just – I don't – I guess if we're debating could they have beat the Winnipeg Jets if they would have played differently or had different coaching or whatever – not been as conservative, sure, but I just didn't see a team that could win and when you have two of the best five players in hockey and you have arguably you know the best hockey player period of like multiple generations um you're supposed to be in a conversation for winning uh it's not about like getting out of a round or two, so let yeah. me bring this back to the Leafs. That's kind of where they're at when you see Austin Matthews right now too, right? Where you go, okay, you have this guy, and that puts you in the conversation for being able to win cups. They lose Tavares, but Nylander steps up. You said we were going to talk about him. My take off the top of the show was just simply this. It's impossible to hate on that guy right now because he's doing everything that all his detractors were criticizing him for. Not scoring enough not going to the dirty areas, not playing with consistency, exactly, not being physical. He's doing all those things, right? And I I don't think three games is quite enough, but if he finishes this series this way with everything that's on the line for Leafs fans, and again, it's monumental, and I'm, I'm telling you right now that they just need this round Other to avoid like unmitigated disaster. They win against Montreal. It's going to be the brightest spot. And sadly, you can say it's sad. You can point and laugh and say 67, whatever. You beat the Montreal Canadiens. It's the most significant moment by a factor of 10 billion of the salary cap era, right? Since the early Mm -hmm. 2000s, since JD was in high school. So (laughs) I kind of feel like he's forever changing his narrative in this city. That it's it's he's going to become one of those guys if they can win this series. That just is has a almost unanimous popularity rating. Do you feel the same way or am I overstating it?
2: Uh no, like th- this I, I'm sure you have these people in in your life JD and Ben I'm sure you have these people in your life as well that will never give William Nylander a break. And anytime yep. he pulls up on a hit around the boards, it's well, look, there you go, there's Nylander. you can't win with that guy. Um, Yet at the same time, we always laud guys that quote-unquote elevate their game, whatever that means, by the way, elevate their game in the playoffs. And Nylander's doing that, and he's doing things that we're not accustomed to seeing William Nylander do. Although, if you're really paying attention, you know that no one outside of John Tavares spends more time in the slot than (sighs) William Nylander, and it's been that way for a long time, and that's where you take a lot of abuse. Is he the strongest player along the boards? Well, physically, no, but stripping pucks, yes. Like, his game is one, this is going to sound really pretentious, his game is one that's really, in a lot of ways, difficult to understand because it's not obvious. Body checks are obvious, right? Um, Things like, you know, skating fast and big slap shots, these things are obvious. His game is, is recover pucks. I'm going to recover a puck and turn it into an opportunity, but I'm not going to do it with a lot of noise. It's going to be done really quietly. So there's nothing sort of obvious. You can just sort of glance at the TV after six or seven beers and go, I want that guy on my team. But the thing about Nylander is, is you cannot right now, three goals and, and, uh, and one assist, four points uh, in three games. Uh, He's been fantastic. Uh, He has been strong against the boards. There has been the initiation of contact, like all of it. Like all those boxes, William Nylander is checking. And I'm sure you have these people in your life, both you guys, who now have sheepishly said in the last couple of days to you, you know who's really good right now? The caveat is always right now. William Nylander. He's playing really well, comma, right now everyone's still waiting for their stereotype of Nylander to show up, but he's not giving it to him yet. That's why I love this edition of William Nylander.
0: Well, yes, but that's it, right? Is that this is – there is – and I get it. He's been probably maligned unfairly throughout the course of his career. But some of the stuff has been true, and he said it. His head coach has said it, right? And that he's – He's been second on this team in points in the postseason before, but he's never looked and like Jeff, this.
1: And Jeff, you've heard it all the way up and down the organization, like the same things that have rippled out of that place too, which is they feel a lot of the inconsistencies have been there too when it comes to like day-to-day attention to yep. detail stuff.
0: Does he yep. look different to you this, this postseason?
2: Uh, just the physicality. Everything else looks exactly the same. Stripping pucks, getting to shooting areas, uh, opening up lanes. It's it's the exact same. The only thing that I see different. I mean, the easy zone entries are still there for for uh, for Nylander. The only thing that I see that's a little bit different is he's he's not shy about bumping around the boards.
0: Yeah. He had an opportunity to to drive a line last year, where they loaded up that top line because they couldn't get any offense against a very stout mm, Columbus Blue Jackets team defensively. But he mm-hmm. he doesn't have that much more support on that second line right now offensively with Alex Galchenyuk and Alex Kerfoot, and he is driving that line offensively. Like they are creating offense, and he's the reason why. It's just I've, I've never seen that from him before.
2: Yeah, he looks like a different guy to some uh, to to most. I think the only thing that's different though is honestly just the the physicality. And that, you mentioned Kerfoot, and that that adds a whole like his play right now adds a whole different dimension now to the Maple Leafs. Like if you're Sheldon Keith, there's a couple of things now. Uh, we've seen some some good play from Pierre Engvall, uh, and we've seen some really good play from Alexander Kerfoot. And that, yes, that does include that 1959 body check last night right at the end of the game (laughs) along the boards, which is just... which we're not used to seeing from the Toronto Maple Leafs. And and maybe that's... Mm -hmm. Maybe that goes right down the lineup, too. A lot of guys have given a lot of lip service to the idea that, you know, Bogosian's in the lineup and Simmons is in the lineup. So everybody grows a little bit and everyone feels they can get that last second lick in. And we saw it yesterday with Kerfoot. Maybe we're seeing it with William Nylander as well. Maybe that's just a, a byproduct of having a, a little muscle around.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm with you. It's actually hilarious. to looking at Nealander's game logs and thinking like, because uh, last night I'm just, hey, he's got to get on the ice more. He's got to get on the ice more. He's played exactly 1640 in two of these games. 16, like yeah, exactly. And then 1647. Like they have this thing down to a science. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I think that. Is awesome. I yeah. I, last I, night. Sure. I, I think that it's going to change a little bit. It's going to go north a bit because I think you put him on power play one now. Um, you probably
2: hundred percent, hundred percent, JD.
1: 100%. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. You got to, like, I, I and we talked about this too. It's awkward, but Joe Thornton is just I, I like I don't know what the scenario is where Joe Thornton's playing hockey games a month from now based on the way that he looks right now. Like, I just, yeah, he's so stiff, what? he's so slow, he's. He's fighting
2: it. He Joe Thornton listen, Joe Thornton was would never be confused with Pavel Bure, even at his prime, but he was sure. always smart and those hands are amazing. Problem is the speed of the game is so fast right now. Mm. You know, every time I mean, although the the time that Thornton used to have to, to make a decision where I mean, listen, I mean, he is in, in this previous generation, the best passer we've seen. You know, I'll always give it up for Mark Savard because he did things that no one else could do, namely, you know, on rim passes, peeling it away from Mm -hmm. the board, spinning and firing a a tape-to-tape pass. No one of Mark Savard could do that. 100% 100%. One so, hundred percent,
1: sneaky underrated. Totally, it's just you can never say that to him because he's he's not underrated in his own mind. You know, like he's like
2: Dude, you. you like him. If, if you could play like that, would you be? Would you be <laughs> humble? I know I wouldn't. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. I'm just teasing because he's no actually... way. <laughs> but yeah, but of Thornton, course not. Like the 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 best passer in this generation. Yeah. The frustrating thing from his point of view is he just the the, the lanes close so fast right now. Mm-hmm. Like where like and that's where it gets down. Like aging curves are hard, man. Aging curves are tough. Um, You, Joe Thornton, you know, hey, man, you know, 10 years ago, that lane stays open for that extra half second. That lane closes fast now. I think that's the frustrating part if you're Joe Thornton because no one would ever measure Joe Thornton by foot speed.
1: No, they wouldn't, but the best passer of his generation certainly can't be throwing pizzas up the middle that go the other way for goals against And that's happening now, and so it's just like when you're combining the ineffectiveness in the offensive zone with the inability to get back, back check, and just like basically play any kind of competent level of play in... His defensive zone if it goes back there I just again I I want the guy playing it's awkward I, I love Joe Thornton like I've always been a fan of his um I was thrilled when the Leafs signed him um I want to see him win a cup just about as much as I want and to see any player um but it's just it's getting mm-hmm. it's getting just hard to project how it's going to get better when we're already here and it's three games in and the Leafs are about to play back to back so I want to ask you a question I asked Ben off the beginning of the show, which is I think if we can both agree and maybe you don't, which will answer the question anyways, that the two biggest stories of last night's game were uh, William Nylander and the goaltending on both sides, which is Carey Price standing on his head and Jack Campbell really shining and, and playing incredibly well in the third period. What was the third biggest story to you in that game?
2: Uh, The third biggest story for me for the game yesterday was actually a question about Games 1 and 2 and how does Montreal keep Cole Caulfield out of those two? Yeah,
1: that's what Ben said too.
2: Like honestly, like this is, is this is like an indictment. Like, like how, where was that? it? It's always funny because uh, Borny brought this point up on the uh, on the Hockey Central show yesterday. He said, you know, th- there must be part of some part of the Montreal Canadiens that don't want Caulfield to succeed in Game Three. Otherwise, you're gonna look like dopes for keeping him out of games <laughs> one and two. That's I'm the like, JD That's pretty-
1: where <laughs> it's like I feel I will never agree that the really take was bad. I'll cheer against he it. His,
2: yeah. yeah, cheering for mistakes. I love it. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Cheer for the takes.
2: <laughs> like, oh, okay, that's actually a really good point, Pointy. But, yeah, even watching him, like, right away, confidence, creating, getting the shot off, all of it, and you're saying to yourself, this is a team that's been fighting for goals, and they've kept this guy in a suit? Mm-hmm. That, that, that to me, is – that that's that's a pretty big indictment, whether that's a Van walkie-talkie conversation to Dom Ducharme or that's just Dom Ducharme right away deferring to the vets early – Given how Caulfield played last night, to me, one of the big stories in this one is how did you sit him out in games one and two? Wasn't exactly a secret here, guys.
1: Yeah, um, I agree with you guys. He's terrifying, and he's clearly got... He brings something that Montreal doesn't have, but I also think, like, it's hard for me not to watch the series and think... Uh, Montreal fired the better coach. I'm sorry. And like we have Guy Carbonneau on next and like I like Maybe. he knows yeah. better than me and whatever. I'm not even gonna dare have that opinion in front of somebody who actually knows. Like so this is a cowardly play of me doing this now. But <laughs> yeah, I just I can't help but feel like this series would be even a little bit more different if Claude Julien is the coach instead of Domin Ducharme who like seems Incredible in over his head at times. Yeah.
2: Or oh, or if hair. they if they if they're gonna give rid of Julien, just keep Kirk Muller. Like, sure. I know it's going to be nice. Bergevin's guy, but I'll take Kirk Muller all day long, too. Whether it's, you know, go back to 2010, who's drawn up all those schemes, especially on the power play, yeah. against the Washington Capitals to bounce them in the first round when everyone's going to give the Washington Capitals the Stanley Cup. You know, who's one of the most instrumental players for the Montreal Canadiens, or, or coaches, rather, in the bubble last season um, in, the, uh, in the opening round? It's Kirk Muller. He was right there. Yeah. But I know that Ducharme was going to be... Bergevin's guy and that's why the decision was made but still if you're going down the hierarchy of coaches here you had another guy standing right beside Claude Mm. yeah
0: I don't know again Dom Ducharme good looking gentleman It looks good behind that bench there's no question about that like
1: even if you didn't think that those guys gave you the best chance to win which they obviously do like Yemi's not in game one and Mm -hmm. Cole Caulfield's not in games one or two it's like Okay, let's say you're not quite there yet. Don't you want these guys playing in these games and getting these refs? You're the team that's
0: supposed to be taking the chances. Instead, it's the Leafs and Sheldon Keefe who's playing like a raw, well, not a totally raw rookie, but like a 20-year-old defenseman who's running power play one. You've got to
1: play and Like, what?
2: Um, Almost as if they're sort of making the lineup based on jobs being on the line. Not just, hey, we're here for some experience for the kids.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Jeffrey? great gentlemen. chat as always
2: See that was fun that was yeah, fun jd it's okay fun. the sun came up this morning bud
1: yeah, yeah i feel great yeah <laughs> text though? me at seven <laughs> yeah. Yeah. have a next. good day boys good to be See on you, bud. See
0: ya. See ya. jeff merrick hockey hipster uh taking a dabble into mainstream hockey for a little bit then back to the uh, hipsterish uh world he goes all right when we come back the aforementioned Guy carboneau hockey hall of famer, uh former canadians center and of course head coach joins us next it is Good Show Ben J.D. Bunkus Sportsnet 590 The Fan yes first Leafs-Habs matchup since 1979 oh we were all so very close in 93 to seeing this thing in the cup final of course and yada 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 Wayne Gretzky and Kerry Fraser and whatever what have you Um, our next guest benefited, I suppose, from not facing the Leafs in that final. They took care of the Kings pretty easily. Uh, Guy Carboneau, Hockey Hall of Famer, former Canadian center and head coach, joins us on the line right now. How's it going, Guy? Thanks for doing this.
3: Uh, Good morning, guys. Uh, You're welcome. How are you guys doing?
0: (laughs) Yeah, we're we're doing well. Uh, A little bit off the ledge now that the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs are up two games to one. So... Uh, I mentioned it, it was almost a, a meeting with the highest stakes in the early 90s. Yeah. And we finally get this thing after 40-plus years. Is it living up to the hype?
3: Uh, kind of. I mean, it, it's so bad. It's too bad that, you know, there's no fan in the stands. I think mm-hmm. they're the one that really deserves to have that kind of a, uh, exhibition on the ice. Uh, you know, I think as a player, uh, obviously... Uh, meeting Toronto, Montreal or, you know, New York or Boston is always fun, but uh, if you don't have any people in the stands, I think uh, it takes away a little bit from 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 the excitement and the fans have been waiting for so long to see,
1: you know, that those rivalries uh, on the ice. Uh, at
3: least we have TV. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. And I've I've been in those stands many times, and I've been in them in Montreal on Saturday nights when the things that we cared about were who was better, Kostetsin ah. or Grabowski. So those <laughs> used to be those used to feel like significant oh stakes. Like I I can't imagine yeah. what you know this would feel like being especially at the Bell Center. And no offense to Toronto, but it's just it's a different building and it's a different vibe and the energy and it, it just it's a it's the best place on earth to watch a hockey game. And so. I I just you're right I miss a lot of it but it's turned for me anyways into a lot of texts with my friends you're a hockey hall famer but you're also synonymous with that franchise I don't know what it would be like like if you have a friend who's just a fan who's just a Leafs fan who (laughs) sends you text messages like do you have anyone in your life that's needling you when they lose these games like is there someone who dares text you and if not can I be that guy
3: no, I've been pretty lucky over the career. Like, I, I mean, I remember maybe late '80s. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I think if you go back in, in time, uh, Montreal always had a really unbelievable success against yeah. the Boston Bruins in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I think the first time they beat us in the playoffs, uh, just I don't know for what reason, but a lot of people in Quebec came out of the closet. <laughs> uh, so that that was kind of a new thing here but like you know I think now we're getting used to it I think hockey is worldwide uh, you, you see more games on TV um, so it's not just the Montreal Canadian fan I think kids now grow up and, and become Sidney Crosby's fan or you know somebody else so than Jean Beliveau and Guy Lafleur so you, you see that a little bit more often now in in in
1: those days. Yeah, the hockey sweater story wouldn't be quite the same. (laughs) It would just be like, and the kid went to school and everyone said, cool sweater, and and end (laughs) of (laughs) book. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. unless instead of having a fight somewhere. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And the story is about acceptance of everyone. Uh, Okay, so... The big story from our vantage point from Montreal right now is just Caulfield and the deployment of the player because last night, you know, he's scary. And he has a skill set that not a lot of guys on this Canadiens team do. What what did you just make of the decision not to play him into game three? Um, how do you feel about him moving forward? And, and just the decision in general to, to wait this long to get him in the lineup?
3: Well, you know, I, I, I'm sure... Dominic uh, had a reason not to play him early. I mean, you know, it's you always think that in the playoffs, experience has something to do with it. Like, you know, I think there's a reason why you went and got Corey Perry and and Eric Stahl and Gustafson and Merrill and guys that, you know, Edmondson, guys that won the Cup and and have been in the playoffs. Um, I think, but for me... You know, the, the, the end of the season was not what I was expected. Uh, there was a lot of, like, there was not a lot of consistency in their game. Uh, and then when he came up, uh, right away you saw flashes of something. And uh, I know he's young, um, but he has that little thing that not a lot of people have. And if you look around the world, like, around the league, like I, I, like, one of the problems that we have in Montreal is, like, we always seem to say, like, well, he's still young. He's still young. He's still young. Like if you look around the league, like, the league is, is you know, it, that's all it is. It's young, youth, uh, good players that wants to perform and, and wants to do things on the ice. So, um, you know, I, I understand having not him on the ice early, but, uh, you know, you saw the difference yesterday. You saw when every time he was on the ice yesterday, something happened. So, Uh, I don't think he's coming out anytime soon.
0: No, (laughs) definitely not. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Dom Deschamps is already receiving some slings and arrows for not playing him in game two. After he looked that way uh, in game three, I, there might be a revolt in Montreal if he was out of the lineup going forward. And in fact, uh, Guy, it's, it's, I still think the Maple Leafs are going to win the series. They're up in the series and they've looked like the better team, uh, for the majority of all three games. But if I'm looking at reasons why the Montreal Canadiens might win this series, obviously number one is Kerry Price and he's been outstanding. Yeah. But two, it would be, it would be that guy breaking a game open with one opportunity scoring one goal at a key moment like how do you view the the, yeah. the comeback in this series for the montreal canadians does it not center around him creating offense
3: well somebody has to do it um i, I mean you know i think i think there's no doubt now that we there's speculation that Carey, you know i don't think he had a great season but he's still carrie price and mm-hmm. the he came back from his injury and everybody was kind of waiting to see what was going to happen. Uh, I think now there's no uh, decision, which is a really good thing for a Montreal Canadian. Now uh, we just need to find somebody to score goals. I mean, it, this team in the first 15 games of the NH, like this season was one of the highest scoring team in the NHL. And, you know, we have guys like Topoli has a lot of goals. Anderson has a lot of goals. Uh, you know, Tatar, for the last two years, has been one of the most productive players on the ice. Uh, Dano, the same way. Gallagher uh, just came back. He doesn't seem to be 100%. Somebody has to find a way to get to the net and scoring those goals because, you know, I I still think that the series is more even than we think. I think, you know, obviously you have to give the edge to the the Leafs a little bit. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm not sure on Campbell still, and I'm not sure on... The way they play defense, uh, I think Montreal. We saw that in the third period yesterday, when they're working, and they, you know, they're creating ch- ch- chances, but they just can't put the puck in the net. But the way they play in the third period yesterday, that's how they p- they gotta play 60 minutes. They have to play the whole game that way. Uh, I-, I don't understand like every time after a game they come out and say, well, we only played two, like one period or two periods. Like this is the playoff. It's not like preseason game. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. And listen, that third period was, yeah, Montreal just way, way, way better team. And if not for Campbell playing spectacular, that's tied with a lot of pressure going into an overtime period on Toronto at best. Right. Could have been worse. Could have just been a game where Montreal ends up winning it. And you know, that that's an awful time. But again, it's Kerry price who keeps them in it up to that point. Yep. And it's Carey Price who's been brilliant <clears throat> for so much of this series. And you're someone who obviously has played in a ton of big games and knows what it means to just you know be able to be a big game player. You said it. Carey Price did not have the best regular season. He comes off of having just one game in the AHL where you know he loses to uh, Marley's team and then he steps into the Stanley Cup playoffs and he's just a different guy. And, and I wonder what you just think it is about players, a guy like Price, where – nothing really matters before it because once you put them into a big game, they just, they become everything that you think they can be.
3: Well, I mean, I mean, you have to have like a swag. Uh, you know, I think you, you look at Patrick Waugh and Martin brother and Eddie Belfort and Ben mm-hmm. uh, I think they all had that little thing or grant matter of fact, you know, uh, even if grant um, uh, let five goals in, in one period when he was time. He would shut the door. And I think that's what Carey has. Like, he, he has that confidence in himself. He's just really solid uh, once he's in the net. Um, and once the, the game is on the line, you know, there's two ways to react or you go high, or you just crumble. Uh, and, and, and he seems to be able to kind of perform. Uh, and then once you perform that way, then you put pressure on the shooters, and, and instead of just shooting to the net and and score goals, then you start to look for uh, holes. And uh, when the holes are not there, then you try high, or and then you miss the net. Um, yeah, that's that's the way that's the way he is. Talking to uh, Guy Carboneau here. You
0: mentioned you still have your questions about Campbell, um, yeah. which is understandable. I mean, the, the sample size is not large. That was. His most significant moment of his career, maybe that third period, but now he has that. How important was that for him and how you view him going forward in the series because he has not been relied upon to win these games yesterday in the, the final twenty minutes that was that was all him
3: well you know, I, I'm, I'm not saying that I don't like what I saw like obviously he proved this year that he deserved uh all the success, like you know he's not a young kid like he he worked his way up. Uh he battled through uh a lot of things. Um you know, when he started the season in Toronto, you know, what was it, like eleven wins in a row. Yeah. <laughs> uh but like even if he didn't play as well at the end of the year, like he still he still played really well. So I'm not saying I, I don't have confidence in him, but like, you know, Montreal Canadian has to put pressure on him. Uh, put a few goals like they did in the third period for, you know, I think if they played like they did yesterday in the third period uh, and, and, and even in the first game, like in the first game, I thought, you know, they were pretty even They uh, and they got the goal by Byron and that's what they need to do. They, they need to find a way to get through him, uh, get pucks, to, uh, you know, behind him and then see how he react to that. Uh, in, in the shootout, you know i i still put my money on carrie price but you know we haven't seen that yet
1: yeah and listen there's been far too many times in each of these games where montreal has gone you know six seven eight minutes without putting any pressure on jack campbell Yeah, exactly you know he's just like not even facing a shot and then one maybe comes and it's from far outside and it's easy to handle and stop right so yeah like i I think obviously montreal needs to up the the tempo in this thing, but they did close with that pressure. Jack Campbell did have to come up with a lot of saves. There's a conversation in Toronto right now about who should be starting tonight, whether you go to Freddie Anderson and try to keep Campbell fresh, healthy. Mm. You want to make sure he has nah. all the energy possible. Like, if it's you, and you're not nah. sabotaging the Toronto Maple Leafs, like you're the coach, but you have a, you have a, co- I think they you have, have to a contract. You know, too. yeah, and no, they, you yeah, have to. Yeah. Like it's, I don't know yeah. what it is, what stake forces you to do it. Like, you know, if the there's, Leafs win the game, you get a bonus extra million dollars. I don't even know if that's enough for you, you know. But either way, there's not a chance. Uh,
3: there's not a chance Campbell is not in the net tonight. Okay. I mean it is like in the playoffs there is no tomorrow. Like mm-hmm. he, you don't go to a okay we will we'll go to Anderson just in case like just to, to keep Campbell fresh. Like he's playing well. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you rest you rest after the season. Right now, you know, every game is important. Every game you, you need to win. You need to close those things really fast. So I'm I'm Toronto. Uh, what I saw from Campbell the last, you know, what you know, not just the last couple of games i mean since he's been there he's done well uh who knows how anderson's gonna come back nobody knows but you know how campbell's gonna be so uh, i keep campbell the same way i keep carrie price in net tonight
0: yeah uh i agree with you but hey listen i i be fine with the Leafs playing Freddie Anderson if it did mean that the Canadians also played Jake Allen tonight so yeah handshake great they, there's,
3: that. that's not, there's not a chance of that <laughs> yeah, happening yeah,
0: obviously obviously not mm-hmm. and yeah immediately Dom Deschamps not <laughs> that crazy didn't play Cole yeah. coffee for the first two games but he's yeah he's literally yes, not exactly. coaching tonight if he says uh, yeah Carrie, we're going to give you a break uh, Gee, right. <laughs> we appreciate the time thanks for doing this
1: you're welcome you guys man, take care so, yeah,
0: there's uh, Gee Carboneau Hockey Hall of Famer Habs legend
1: So, if you've listened to this whole show, all four of you, you might be asking yourself, well, why didn't you bring up the Jack Campbell thing sooner? Why didn't you bring up the Jack versus Freddie in the back-to-back, and you guys said that Freddie's getting in this series no matter what, or some variation of that, or that they're going to need Freddie Anderson at some point in the playoffs, and there's a back-to-back, and blah, blah, blah. Bourne pointed it out yesterday on Twitter that Dubas has a track record of saying, well, this is the scheduled rest day. We see this in professional sports. Like if you're a Blue Jays fan, you know this is a thing too, where they just say ahead of the schedule, this is the day that you're off and we don't care what's happening, you're getting your rest and we are removing the emotions of the situation from it before it gets to this point. So do I believe there's a conversation about Freddie Anderson? Yes. Simply because Jack Campbell is not Carey Price. He had a great period. There's no doubt about it. He had a great period. It's one period. He's been solid this series, but he has not had to be spectacular, which is what you want from a goaltender. I genuinely do not believe that the results of this series are any different if it's Freddie Anderson in that or if it's Jack Campbell other than maybe that third period, Right. Like, maybe Freddie does let one in there. Maybe he, like, I'm not playing that out. I know Jack Campbell got the job done. It's still Jack Campbell's net. You don't want to do something that you don't think is smart strategy. They have more information on what Campbell's health like, his energy, because what's the quote? I actually wrote it down, and I put it uh, on our document today. This is the quote from Sheldon Keefe after the game. Uh, Leafs game four starter depends on, quote, uh, Jack Campbell, both in health and in energy. So there's two things that he's looking at, I guess. Because if it's gameplay, if it's play, if it's resume, at this point, anything from recent memory, um, it's Jack Campbell all the way. Personally, I'm with Carbonell. I, I don't see, I don't see how you could put Freddie Anderson in that after the third period from Jack Campbell, unless he's hobbling around the facility, like unless you actually genuinely believe he's compromised. You're not playing the whole game of. Well, you have to monitor his health moving forward because you don't know what forward is going to be if you start to get cute and start to do things that don't make the best sense for you winning right now in the moment. Part of what I love about playoffs in all sports is that there is no, there's nothing guaranteed. There's no, well, next month or after the All Star break or the next set of home games or the road trip or, yeah, there's one game in front of you. That's all that matters. You play your best goaltender. That's been Jack Campbell. I, I, I don't know how you could possibly justify the other decision. I, I just don't. And that's somebody who really wishes Freddie Anderson would just get an opportunity to show what he could do against a team that isn't the Bruins. But s- sorry, you this, this is a non-negotiable one for me.
0: I agree with you. I'm terrified of the thing Bourne tweeted out as well because I thought it was incredible insight from a guy who obviously knows the inner workings of this organization and the people at the head of the snake here when it comes to Dubas and Keefe, that this was already written in considering the injury history of the player because it's, it's yes, it's, it's that too. And maybe there's a chance of a higher percentage chance of injury. I think if it's Anderson, it could work out, but you have the potential to make that one of the, the franchise altering worst decisions ever. I don't, I, I don't understand. Also, secondarily, we're looking at getting rest at the conclusion of this series. You make it a short series, you make it a five-gamer, you close this thing out as quickly as possible, then you get your rest on the back end. You cannot possibly go away from what's working. It's the mm-hmm. same reason why it was hard to fault the Habs for not putting in Cole Caulfield for game two. They won game one. Mm-hmm. They won so, game one.
1: Dude, um, once again, this just comes down to the thing that we've said all series long. And this actually now applies to both coaches. Just do the obvious thing. If you're getting into the Freddie Anderson discussion right now, do I think it's important for all organizations to have these considerations? Yes, they're supposed to think about this stuff. That's what the money's for, right? Um, But this is a just keep it simple, you know? This is just a... Hey, you started this series by putting your best players in the most advantageous spots. Okay, good. You put your best players with the best players. Great. Done. Next. You put Rasmus Sandin in. Hey, is he better than Travis Dermott or not? Yep. He gets in. Guess what? He changed one of the games for you with a power play goal. That's game two. Instead, Montreal is sitting there, guy in Cole Caulfield, because of experience or whatever. And it's the one of the stories of the game. One coach goes to the young guy who has little experience but a ton of skill, and it it's a meritocracy, and he gets there. The other coach sits on his hands and plays guys that are not better than Cole Caulfield but have the quote-unquote experience and overthinks it and doesn't work out for them. They don't score any goals. Same thing here. One coach has said, I have a goalie who's playing very well, and yes, he's Carey Price, and you comparing him to Jack Campbell in terms of their resumes and their careers and what they mean to the sport, the cities, blah, 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 go down the line. Non-comparable. Non-comparable. But in this situation, just looking at it from what is happening in the series, goaltending has been, I don't want to say even because Price has had to do so much more, but it hasn't been a problem for Toronto. And it's not something that you should be thinking about. Just remove it from the equation. You have the discussion. You move forward. You put Jack Campbell in the net. And guess what? If if Jack Campbell ends up being tired and he lets in a bad goal, he lets in a second goal, like you pull the shoot and you go to Freddie Anderson right away like I I just it's so much better than the idea of what Freddie Anderson lets in a shaky goal or two and then all of a sudden you got to bring in Jack Campbell he doesn't even get the rest like I, I don't see it I just all I see is Jack Campbell should be getting the net it's an easy decision based on the way that they've been playing that sometimes you have plans and that's great but in the playoffs, I'm sorry, everything does have to be fluid. You can't have the, well, we already said it was going to be a rest day and we're not deviating from that now. Maybe if you're up three, nothing in this series, honestly, like if you're up three, nothing and you feel like you're actually in a spot where you're doing a little bit of thinking about the future and getting Jack Campbell arrest and blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, but not this, not this, not now. It's two, one, you're going to Jack Campbell.
0: If, if, if that is the mentality, though, if it's, hey, we take the emotion out of it, this is exactly it. And they've been unafraid to do the unpopular thing. It's the only thing that makes me nervous about it. And again, it could easily work out if it's Freddie Anderson. But I wholeheartedly agree with uh, also the Hockey Hall of Famer, Guy Carboneau, even though he might be you know, working in uh, nefarious ways against Toronto Maple Leafs. can't imagine it's not Jack Campbell tonight.
1: Be yeah, the you envy. have to take what he says with a grain of salt, you know, like a, a raised yeah. eyebrow, a little of this. Oh, you know, buddy. Like,
0: like mine needs to be surgically returned to its normal place, my eyebrow. Uh, be the envy of your neighborhood. Craftsman and Sportsnet teaming up to give one lucky winner the chance to win $20,000 in cash and Craftsman tools to create their own dream garage. To enter for your chance to win the Craftsman Dream Garage contest, visit sportsnet.ca slash craftsman. Enter weekly to increase your chances of winning. No purchase necessary. Contest ends June 20th, 2021. See full rules for details, craftsman tools available at Lowe's and Rona stores across Canada and Amazon.ca.